cards, but also let people pray over that and pray over those cards because that's what they're doing. We have a prayer team that prays through these cards and prays for you all week. So uh, take advantage of it. We'll be filling that prayer card out. You can, if you want to start now, you can if you like. But you, we'll be filling that that out uh, at the end of the service as we close up our service. I want to say a few things first. Um, Pat, are you are you back here? Hello, Pat. 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 Where are you at? Come here. Come here. Here's, I don't. You guys know Pat, don't you? He's the guy taking care of our PowerPoint, all right? And he's always behind. He's always behind the scenes. You know, everybody's like, "What? We work. We're a team, right?" Yeah. Yeah. We work to. Yeah. You're supposed to say that. Okay. But we work together. And I just want to say, Pat, you make me. You make the word of God. You make me look good. Okay. Thanks. And I appreciate that. Now I don't know what's going to happen this morning because we don't have PowerPoint, right? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> I just thought I just wanted to say thanks. Okay. Thanks. Man. All right. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. All right. Uh, let's see. In your bulletin. I want you to notice something else here, Bolton. Inside is a fun in the sun. I want you to see that if you open it up. We've got Hartford Park reserved, and, and, and we're going to be having our church service out there that particular uh, day, that Sunday. We won't be having it here. We'll be having it at Hartford Park. And we want to let you know that it's on the 27th of July. Be planning to come to this. Bring your friends to this, especially children. Oh, we'd love to have them come. Because there is a water park there that only costs a dollar to get in. And so it's nice, cheap, a lot of fun with the, uh, for the kids as well. well. We're going to be having a good time out at Hartford Park. Have, a, have us a cookout and food. We'll hear a lesson, hopefully a good one. And, uh, and have a great time uh, just enjoying the sun. Uh, not only the sun above, but the sun above the sun. You know what I'm saying? And then having a great time worshiping. Uh, also, um, let's see, there's some notes in there. And I want you to... So get those out if you like. I want to thank Alan for preaching last week. I thought, you know, Alan was really, really, really good, okay? Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I find, I, I'm glad we have, we're still blessed to have a team of men that teach here at Greater Alton. And I hope you, only just Gary and Alan and hopefully myself, but we've got some other young men that we're going to be putting in the pulpit occasionally. And I just think it's awesome to have, uh, to have Alan every once in a while, you know, filling in, and uh, and you know, he doesn't get a lot of airtime if you think about it. He doesn't get a lot of a lot of airtime. But boy, he was clear last week. But um, you know, what? Kudos to Alan. Thank you, and uh, to Gary as well. Next week, I won't be in the pulpit for a couple of weeks, and um, and Gary's going to wrap up this Y series uh, here at Greater Alton. Bob Hawkins wanted me to remind you. He's Bob. Is takes care of our sunset classes here at Greater Alton. You want to go deeper in some things. Uh, Bob ha- offers these classes from the Sunset School of Preaching in Lubbock, Texas, and it's through the video series. He is our designated and trained, um, um, and I guess I'd say licensed, uh, if you want to call it that, instructor for our uh, Sunset classes. He's starting the Book of Revelation, and that's this Thursday, if I'm right, at 7 o'clock at his house. Right, Bob? If you want to get a deeper understanding of the book of Revelation, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a great book to study. I used to be afraid of that book. No, no longer. And it's a great, great book to study. And uh, that will be starting at his house this Thursday at 7 o'clock. I'm going to tell you a little bit more before I get into this lesson. A lot of announcements. I feel like a NASCAR driver. You know, i got all them patches. Um, we had that movie night. We, had, we watched the B movie. Great time. You know, back back in the back of our kids' ministry, we've got it all fixed up like a giant backyard with 
blades of grass and stuff because we're going through metamorphosis. The kids are learning how God wants to transform them. And uh, we watched the B movie uh, Friday night. Had a wonderful time. Uh, it was great, great to be together. And uh, I want to thank everybody that helped out with the concessions and, and setting up and cleaning up. Wow. <laughs> that was really, wow, over the top, you know, over the top. Uh, we're in a series called Why, and, uh, and we may not have PowerPoint. Pat may be working on it. We'll see what we can get here. But uh, in your notes, if you want to get your notes out, we're going to be looking at this idea of why. You know, the Bible has, the, the question is asked over 500 times in the Bible. Questions and uh, when he was on this earth, 51 times he asked, why? Why do you call me good? Or why do you look at your brother with a speck and not your own plank in your, in your eye? I mean, he had a lot of interesting questions when he asked why. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, 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 and you read this in the Scriptures, there's lots of people asking that question. In fact, uh, I had a conversation with someone just a couple of weeks ago at a restaurant that was telling me they, so of their, so something had happened to them. And she's like, why is this happening? And what do I do about it? And I said, well, you're not the first person to ever ask that. And I began to share with her some stuff in the Bible that David asked that question. Moses has asked that question. You know, Joseph has had to have asked that question. You know, why? Why is this all happening? Job asked that question. You know, you can be godly, you can be a God-fearing person, a, a faithful Christian, and you still got questions, right? We all do. And there's nothing wrong with asking questions if you're wanting answers. If you're looking for justification, that could be a dangerous thing to do. You know, today, it seems like there's a lot of people asking questions about Christianity, and that's what I want to talk about today, is why Christianity? Why should we be true religion on the earth? Now, I know there's a lot of people that have this idea, that, well, you, know, you know, there's a lot of world religions, and maybe some people want to, want to go this way, or maybe some people want to try this, and they want to try Buddha or Hindu or Islam or, or a host of other world religions that are starting to take root again in our world that used to be ancient religions. And, and there's this idea that, you know, we don't want to sound exclusive. And oh, by the way, I want you to know Christianity is exclusive, but it welcomes all people. It is a very, very different life. But we welcome all people to this life. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me. And you'll find rest for your souls. You know, Jesus came to this earth to give us a full life. And, he, and it's in this Christian life, He wants everyone on the planet to live. How do you know that, Tim? Because He said to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Disciples of Him. Followers of God. Not of Islam. Not of Hindu. Not of Buddha. Not of Confucius. Not of whatever outlandish God there is out there. But of Jehovah God. You know, it's funny, you know, I got to thinking, why do people ask questions like this? Why do, have you ever been in a conversation where someone goes, well, I don't know about Christianity. And they, well, why is, and they begin to give you a, a question. Uh, they question Christianity on purpose for some reason. Why is that? Why do people do that? There's several reasons why people do that. One is they, sometimes they ask that question because they find the claims of Christianity absurd. I mean, after all, have you ever heard anybody, a fisherman, tell a story about the big one that got away, but you know it wasn't that big? I fought him for three hours. It was like a leviathan, you know, leviathan on the line. 
Really? Really? Yeah, he took a chunk right out of the boat. This isn't swamp people. Come on, really? You know, somebody says, I saw Bigfoot. I remember, you know, I remember when we were kids, Danny, remember when we saw the panther? We saw a panther on our farm. And Dad's like, really? You sure it wasn't just a big cat? No, it was a panther. A black panther. In southern Illinois, are you sure? I don't think they're around here. We saw him. It was a big cat. But you hear an outlandish story, and you, don't you start going, I don't know. You ever heard anybody that tells a big story like that? Maybe some of my stories about my family. You go, I bet it didn't happen that way. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And when you think about Christianity, there's some pretty outlandish claims when you stop and think about it. People raised from the dead. The blind can see. Thousands of people fed. Walking on water. Come on. Really? Resurrection? Ah, you lost me on that one. I'll never forget, I had a guy one time tell me, I don't believe anything in the Bible unless it's in red letters. So I don't buy that Jonah story. And then I flipped over to the words of Jesus who said, like the days, like, like, like three days in the belly of the fish, you'll put me in the heart of the earth and I'll come back. And I go, Jesus believed in Jonah. He goes, never mind. <laughs> but you hear outlandy stuff and don't you think kook, nut. There's a lot of kooky stuff being said nowadays, you know, a lot of crazy stuff. And let me tell you, a lot of people think Christians are crazy too. They think it's absurd. So they question Christianity based just on that. Google it. Sometimes just write it, why Christianity is wrong. Google it. You're going to get 10 reasons why Christianity is wrong. 20 reasons why it's wrong. 10 reasons why it's bad for the world. And all that you'll get, you'll get, you'll be amazed. And what, in every list, there's always this one sentence. Their claims are absurd. It takes a lunatic to believe them. Another reason is, is because of this idea that, well, we have this world religious view nowadays. You know, we live in a society right now where we're tolerating everything. Now, there's some things we do need to be able to tolerate. We should tolerate one another. Racism is wrong. It's flat out wrong, right? We got that. We got, have we got it figured out yet? That was wrong. But then there's other things we got to thinking, well, you know, we don't want to judge anybody. I don't want to judge anybody. So if you... Really? So if, you know, maybe that's your cup of tea. If that works for you, I had somebody say, well, that works for you. And I sat there and I went, Christianity don't work for me. It's, it's against everything I'm for. You ever felt like that? Man, this is hard. And it doesn't work for me. What do you mean, Tim? It isn't about how it works for me. It's about me working for it. It's about me serving Christ. Totally different life. But, you know, we, we have this idea that, well, is one religion as good as another's? All roads lead to heaven. Really? You ever typed in your GPS and it takes you down a road and it doesn't get you where it's supposed to because there's a dead end? Hey, this happened to me one time. I type in, turn left, turn right, and I go, and it's a dead end. And somebody in Springfield decided to put I-64 right in front of me and took out the road. And did not inform the GPS people. I'll never forget it. How'd that happen? It, it just does. It, you know, just because a road looks like it's going the right direction, you need to see where it ends up. Jesus would always say that. There are two roads in life, the wide and the narrow. He says, but where do they lead really matters. And when you guys, listen, when you're studying...
world religions, when you start studying them, you're going to find out on the all kind of alike, but they're not when you begin to get a little deeper. They're totally different. Another reason I think that we we uh, people question Christianity, and maybe you've questioned it before, is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Ege and I were talking uh, way back we, back last October. We, we took him to our the Doty Chowder, and we had the, the soup in a pot, and he got to be exposed to chowder, you know, Southern Illinois soup, you know. And so we're we go to church, and and I go, Ege, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, he's from Turkey, lived in Istanbul, right? And you know, he goes to SIU. He became a Christian, and I, and I assumed he was Muslim. I said, so what made you leave Islam? He goes, I did not leave Islam. You didn't leave Islam? No. I was a nothing. You what? What do you mean a nothing? I was was a nothing. I wasn't Muslim. I wasn't Christian. I was a nothing. I never heard anybody say it like that or frame it that way before. I said, really? He goes, and why are you, why were you a nothing? He goes, well, you know, and he talks about his, his religious heritage and he talks about his family some and he goes, "Um, how is it? uh, There was something that uh, got in the way. Uh, It's called uh, hypocrisy. Hypocrites. And I go, hypocrites. I go, hypocrites? Yes. And we were talking about, I was wanting him to do a testimony today, and he's worried about the language barrier. And so he said, well, you can mention that, you know. And so I had family that claimed to be spiritual, but the hypocrisy turned me off. And guys, honestly, and listen, we're not talking about, hey, I messed up. Normally I don't. I'm. I'm inconsistent. Who isn't inconsistent? But when we're blatantly projecting one thing and doing another and we refuse to deal with it, that hypocrisy turns people off and they question they question how serious it is. After all, if a Christian isn't going to be serious about Christianity, why should they take it seriously? Does that make sense? And so hypocrisy is a big deal. I, I, I remember one time saying, thinking to myself, you know, people are looking, and I've said this before, people are looking at you through a microscope. No, they're not. All they need is a naked eye. They see plenty just with the naked eye, don't they? They don't need a microscope. It's easy to see inconsistency. And it's easy to see hypocrisy. And how many times have you let hypocrisy affect you? You see this hypocrisy and go, why should I take it seriously? Another reason is, people question Christianity. They've been burned by Christianity. They've been burned by it. What do you mean, Tim? Well, we get this expectation we have a certain expectation of what a Christian life is supposed to be like. And then it, we're disappointed. And maybe this is the American in us. I'm not so sure, but I'm not sure what it is. But there's a lot of this entitlement attitude that comes into Christianity if we're not careful. To where we begin to, well, you know, if I become a Christian, if I follow the Lord, then everything should go up and to the right. It should never... Never fail. I should, you know, the Bible says if you seek the Lord and you seek advice, He grants you success. I had a fellow one time say to me, you know, Tim, I became a Christian, and man, things went in the tank. They really went in the tank. He goes, I thought you said it was supposed to be all great. I said, did I say that? Man, I hope I didn't say that. But you, t- you, know, you showed me a passage where it says if you seek the Lord and if you obey the Lord, if you commit everything to the Lord, your plans will succeed. He's quoting Proverbs, you know. And I go, yeah. I don't know how committed you were to the Lord when, you, when that was going on. 
Oh, now I see. We're going to redefine everything. No, no, no. No, I'm not trying to bait and switch you. I'm just saying God's will may be different. A lot of Christians got killed, guys. And By the way, a lot of Christians are getting killed now. A lot of them. Thousands right now worldwide. It wasn't... See, early, the early Christian faced death with confidence not because of what they were going to get. What God had already given them was life beyond this earth. And... But sometimes, you know, hey, I, I'm doing the work here. If you listen, I know some of us here. If you're, if nobody else here has ever had this happen to them, it's happened to me. Things are falling apart. Things are messing up. God, I've been a good man. I've been faithful to my wife. I'm telling the truth. I don't shortchange anybody. How can you do this to me? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Do you ever feel like that? I'm getting. A sh- I'm getting. Had enough, and I'm questioning your will in my life. Now Job kind of threw his weight around, about 150 pounds, I figure, you know, because he was skin and bones by the time he started complaining to God. And God comes down and says, "Who do you think you are?" And the Bible, the Bible says Job went, put his hand over his mouth, went, "I don't need to be talking, do I?" And I can just see God going, "That's right. You're doing this, but you need to do this." We have it happen. Our expectations, or we're burned by a church. Got awful quiet. I come to church, and here I'm thinking this is supposed to be a loving place. After all, Jesus said, You're going to know you're my disciples. Everybody will know by your love for one another. And, you know, I went to a church one time, and they, they started correcting me on something. They started challenging me on something. They stuck their nose in my business, and I, I got out of there. We didn't understand what real love was. Sometimes that's what it is. But sometimes people just mess up. They don't, they don't confront. They're judgmental. They're critical. So critical. So judgmental that it hurts more than it helps. Right? And people get hurt. And they went, I've had enough of Christianity because I've been around the Christians. I, what was there? And suck. You know, I mean, it's like... We, we, that's what's happened. And people question the whole system. And you say, well, that's not fair. Just because I mess up. or They shouldn't judge the whole system. I, I know, but that's life, guys. The world will judge this church by your behavior, not just mine. Everybody says, boy, Tim, you better be good. We don't want to read about you in the headlines. i got news for you. The sidelines are just as big as the headlines in the kingdom of God. And a lot of stuff's happening where you work, where you play, where you eat, that speak volumes more than I do on this stage. But people question it because they get hurt. Haven't you ever questioned Christianity or God and God's love because you got hurt or disappointed? Some people question Christianity simply because they don't like being told what to do. And that's what the Bible's about, isn't it? I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. Nobody ever questions the writings of Julius Caesar, yet we have less historical documents on the writings of Julius Caesar and the life of Julius Caesar than we have on Jesus. We have less historical documents on Alexander the Great 
Alexander the Great, his biography was written a hundred years after he died. And yet nobody questions Alexander the Great. Nobody questions if he was here. Nobody questions Julius Caesar if he was here. You know why? Because he isn't trying to tell us what to do. But there's a whole lot of evidence, overwhelming evidence historically, of Jesus Christ on this earth. You know what? Everybody's got a problem with this book, and they scrutinize it and question it all the time, because it tells us what to do. And we don't like it. Amen. That's a lot of it right there. But there's another reason why people question Christianity. And that's simply because they want their faith to be theirs. And I like that one. I hope that's where you're at this morning. That you look past getting hurt or burned or, or world religions, but you're, maybe you're at the place where you're going, you know, Tim, am I, a, I don't know if I'm a Christian because of my mother and father or because of me. Now, this is a very different... Oh, let me say one thing I want to qualify here. You know, we have a kids' ministry here that's devoted to helping parents raise their kids to be spiritual champions, is what we call it. It's about that. You know, the Bible tells parents to give to your kids those spiritual values. Right now at church camp, I wasn't at camp this year, but I can tell you one thing, at all camps, uh, other people find out about your children. They find out about you from their children. They find out what you emphasize at home by the way they act. Well, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, it is. That is fair. They find out what you, what you really emphasize and what matters to you by looking at the lives of your kids. And, 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 and understand, that's why here at Greater Alton, we have a kids' ministry to help you with that when those kids are younger. All the way up to, through college. He wants us to, as parents to raise our kids. But you know this is what I do. You get to a stage where mom and dad, thank you very much, but is it going to be my faith? Is it going to be mine? And so we begin to question. And God doesn't go, Oh my, oh no, you're not asking, are you? Oh no, I hope I can answer. No, He's going, I want you, every generation, bring your questions to me because I want it to be yours, your faith. I was looking at this this morning and with the time I've got left, (laughs) scary today, okay guys? So strap in. Just want to be honest. Just want to be honest with you. I want you to think about something here. You know, is, is this idea of questioning Christianity a modern phenomenon? Or has it always been around? I'm here to tell you it's always been around. Before internet, before tweeting, before all the smartphones, before the, the printing press, we were just mouth to mouth, you know, just to work and face. Before Facebook, it was face to face, you know. The people questioned Christianity. I mean, Jesus didn't even get out of the gate, didn't even get born, and they were questioning him. Is this? Who is this? Where's he born? He's a kid, and he starts talking. Uh, is this? Isn't this a carpenter's son? And he starts making these claims. Oh, he's a drunk. He's a glutton. If you only knew, you can't be God because God would... Walked on water? Yeah, right. Peter says, I was there. I saw it. Yeah, okay. People question when he healed somebody. He did it at the wrong time. You can't do it during the Sabbath. You know what I'm saying? They were questioning him. They were criticizing, scrutinizing. He was under, he was under the microscope. 
the intellectual microscope all the time. Even when he's on the cross. Hey, 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 stop, stop, stop. Maybe he'll come off the cross. Hand him something to drink. Hey. He doesn't budge. Hey, you better put something, you better put some guards on that grave over there. Why? Because he said he's coming out, and we don't want anybody taking that body, because if they take that body, then we'll never stop this movement. So they post guards. God had an inside job. Rolled the stone away. And then he appears to 500 people, according to the scriptures. And after he leaves, they still ask, why Christianity? They still ask, is it true? Is he who he is? Nah, it's still, you know, we still, people still question it. Still, people are still, people are going to, and you're going to. You're going to. I want to tell you, it's okay. God is not insecure. He knows who he is. And he hopes you're going to figure it out. He gave you a brain. It's funny, Peter would say, how would he say it? Here's a guy that denied Christ, you know. Here's a guy that doubted God, doubted Jesus, followed him at a distance. Remember, he's around a fire and everybody's saying, Are you, you, you went with him, you went with him. No, I don't know him. I don't know him. The little girl goes, I saw you. And he starts cussing like sailors do, trying to convince I had nothing to do with him. He would say in the book of 1 Peter verse chapter 3, always be ready to give an answer if someone asks you for the hope that you have. He said, I realized I needed to have an answer. I didn't have one. Paul, I, I know here's what I want to look at today. The Apostle Paul especially, you know, here's a guy who asked lots of questions, was very skeptical of Christianity. He was Jewish. You say Jews are skeptical of Christianity? Yeah. They killed Jesus. How skeptical is that? Well, no, I thought Jews are, you know, it's Judeo-Christian. We have something in common, folks. But today, if you're a Christian, you're the true Jew. You're the true follower. You're finishing the story that God began in Genesis. But the Jew rejected Jesus. Paul was a part of that. You don't kill Christians and say, Christianity's okay. So he's rejected, he's, he's, he's rejected Christ, he doesn't want anything to do with it, and then he becomes a Christian. And they're trying to kill him. And in three different places in the book of Acts, he tries to explain why Christianity is the way. It's the only way. That no other religion is going to help you like Christianity. He talks to some Jews in Acts 22 and goes through his conversion. In Acts 17, he talks to a, a, some people in Athens who are worshiping all kinds of gods, world religions. And he says, let me tell you about the unknown God, the one you've got covered here, just in case you miss somebody. Let me tell you about who it is. And then in Acts 26, he talks to a guy named King Agrippa. And that's where I want to rest right there. He talks to a guy in Acts 26 named King Agrippa and he explains why Christianity is the way to go. If you remember, he's hauled in there by some Sadducees. 
Now, you got some teachers in Judaism called Pharisees and Sadducees. What are the differences between the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Well, there's not a lot of difference, but one big one is the resurrection. And Steve Cox and I went to the same preacher school, and Mike Napier taught us this. You probably remember this. When he'd say, a Pharisee believes in the resurrection, and that's fair, you see. But a Sadducee does not believe in the resurrection, and that's sad, you see. That's how you remember it. That's how we remembered it. That's basically it. So some Sadducees have, have brought Paul to King Agrippa. He's been arrested. He's, they started trouble. He's before King Agrippa, the king of Israel at the time, under the Roman government. And he begins to talk about everybody. Finally, he says, can I speak? Can I? And King Agrippa goes, okay, tell us why you've been arrested and what's this all about. And he goes, well, everybody knows what I'm like. Everybody knows that I was a Jew. Under the strictest law, I was a Pharisee. And I can just see him looking over to Sadducees. I was a Pharisee. And in my passion for God and in my commitment to God, I, I, I obeyed everything the Old Testament said and I did everything I could to oppose this Christian movement. And that's, he says, and that's what I did. I hauled people into prison and I, you know, I had, I had all the, the authority of the chief priests. And then he says here in Acts 26, he says these words. He's, before that, here's your blank. Why should I consider Christianity overall a religious? Because Christianity is from Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. There we go. It's from Jesus Christ. You take Jesus out of the picture, you have no Christianity. In fact, Jesus endorses Christianity. Say it that way. He doesn't endorse Hinduism. He doesn't endorse Buddhism. He does not endorse Islam. And by the way, Islam does not endorse Jesus Christ. Say, well, doesn't he say that he's a good man? Let me tell you, when you read the Quran, you're going to find that the Quran says that Jesus wasn't even crucified. They deny. It's the only book, religious book in the world, that denies he was crucified. All the Roman historians, all the Jewish historians, the people that don't believe in Christ, say that he was crucified. The Bible says he's crucified. Only the Islamic religion believes he wasn't crucified. And by the way, they're beginning to hedge on that as we speak. Ravi Zechariah had a, had a discussion with a, a league cleric in Damascus. And on, and on YouTube, you can, you can watch this. Just type in White Christianity, Ravi Zechariah. You're going to get a, a, a nine-minute video where he talks to a head cleric in Damascus who says to him, you know, I think it's time that the Muslim quits, quit asking or quit saying or asking if he died, but start dealing with why he died. Because they realize they're the only people that deny Christ died on the cross. You take Jesus Christ out of Christianity, guys, you got nothing. See, that Christianity exists and reigns above all other religions. Paul makes that case here before King Agrippa. Let's look at this passage of Acts 26. He says, on one of my journeys, he says, I was going to Damascus. And he had the authority and commission of the chief priest. He says, about noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven. Notice he says, I saw a light from heaven. Somewhere above me, a light came down. And it's brighter than the sun. 
Anybody here ever stare at the sun? I've heard it's not a good idea. If you stare at this light was brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. He says, this was incredible what's happening to me. He says, we fell to the ground. And that makes sense, because when you're before Jesus Christ, every knee should bow. He's saying to King Agrippa, do you understand? Something from heaven happened to me, and it was so overwhelming, it knocked me to the ground. Then I heard a voice say in Aramaic, what's that? What's so significant about that? In Hebrew. King Agrippa knows Hebrew. Paul knows Hebrew. It's Old Testament language. He spoke in Hebrew to me. What did he say? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Question. How did in the world did Paul or Saul or Paul persecute Jesus? Well, when you pick on Jesus' people, you pick on Jesus. When you persecute a Christian, you persecute Jesus. See, Jesus is connected to the Christian. He, he isn't connected. Is he connected to the Jew? Well, in some ways, but it's not Jews that he's, that Jews are being persecuted, guys. He's saying, but when you're picking on a Christian, you pick on me. You persecute me. I'm connected to it. Then he says, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. What's he saying there? You can't stop this. You're not going to stop this, Paul. Because, why? Jesus is supreme and has all authority. You know, I'm kind of excited. I'm glad it says that. Because I can screw things up pretty good. How about you? And the kingdom can still go forward. Relax today. And that's the truth. Pressure's off me. Now, I might, now, I was brought to my attention at the first service, but can't you slow it down? I'm sure I can get in the way, and I'm sure we can get in the way, but you cannot stop the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You cannot stop the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul, one of the most powerful men in Judaism at the time, is kicking against sharp sticks that are moving forward. And he's going, we've got to stop this. We've got to, we got to stop. Ouch. Owie. We've got to stop this. It can't be stopped. Because Jesus reigns supreme. He says, then I asked, who are you, Lord? He's saying, who are you, sir? After all, he's knocked off his horse. He hears a voice from heaven. He goes, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and stand on your feet. I've, appo- I've appeared to you, listen to this, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant of what you've seen and will see of me. He's saying, I've appeared to you to have a relationship with you. You're going to be, you're going to be my servant and a witness. I'll rescue you from your own people. And from the Gentiles. And he says, I'm sending you to them. Look at this. Catch this. I'm sending you to them. Now you tell me, not just anybody can say this, guys. This is, this is the King of kings and Lord of lords can only back this up and say this. I'm sending you to open the eyes and turn them from darkness to light. We've talked about this, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. God does not want you to be in the dark. When you're in sin, you're in the dark. and you can't see. And he says, I'm, I'm sending you, Paul, to turn them, turn their hearts away from darkness into light and from the power of Satan. 
to God. How can who can do that? I can't do that. You can't do that. He says, I'm I'm sending you to to what? To turn them to see and to help them overcome the power of Satan and experience the power of God. Amen. So that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Who else can who else can give forgiveness of sins? Buddha can't. Confucius can't. Allah can't. If you only understood if we only understood the Muslim religion, guys, it's scary. They walk around all the time with these scales almost like above them. One day they think they're okay, one day they don't. What a way to live, huh? What, make a mistake and now it's, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, go to heaven. And if I do, well, you know, the only way to solve the confusion is run a plane into a building and then I know. They may receive forgiveness of sins and look at this, in a place among those who are sanctified. I want him to have a place. You know, why does God knock Paul down? To put him in his place? Why would God knock you or I down? To put us in our place? He wants to put us in his place. Where he is. And it says, a place among those who are sanctified, which means set apart above the rest. That's where Christianity is. It's set apart from everything else. By faith in me. It only comes through Jesus Christ. Take Jesus out of Christianity and we have nothing. Jesus is not in any other religion, guys, other than Christianity. And by the way, this idea about being sanctified doesn't mean I need to walk around, you know, like I got it all together and like I'm some big, you know, time Charlie potato and I'm better than everybody. Oh my goodness, I'm a Christian because I'm not better than everybody. I'm a mess. Oh, this is a hinge pin. Morgan, you could call this clutch. This is. This is a this is a clutch point, man. It's a big deal. Look what Jesus says. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus answered, I am the way. He didn't say a way. A truth. A life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And look what He says here. No one comes to the Father except through Me. You cannot get to God without Jesus Christ. And there's no one else that offers Jesus Christ other than Christianity. Let me say it again. Say it this way. Without it being offered to the world through Christians, there's no other way either. If we don't offer Jesus to people, we don't talk to people about Jesus, they will miss the way, they will miss the truth and the life that He gives. But all roads, don't they lead to God? No, they don't. Jesus says there's... By the way, you know when Jesus talked about ways, He said there's two roads. One that leads to life and one that leads to death. He says you need to pay attention where they go. And He says, My road is the way to truth and life and to a Father, to God, Jehovah God. That's why I should consider Christianity. It's from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, endorsed by the Son of God. Here's the second reason. And that's because... 
Christianity ensures a resurrection. Man, without a resurrection, we don't have a lot. Someone says, well, you know, uh, even if, if this Christianity thing doesn't work out, it gives us a good life on earth. We're going to see in a minute, Paul says, what a waste of life. The Apostle Paul, when he's making his point at Fort King Agrippa, look what he says here in your notes. He says, this is the promise our twelve tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night, King Agrippa. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope, notice promise and hope, that these Jews are accusing me. What's the hope? He tips his hand and tells us. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raised the dead? that sets it apart from all other world religions. And he sits here and he says, you know, why do you think that's incredible that God can do that? You know, God had raised the dead before. And he... because I'll tell you what would be, why it's a problem. They killed the guy. They rejected their Messiah. And see, Christianity ensures there's going to be a resurrection of your body. You know, Jesus made that clear. He said, I am the resurrection. He made that real clear. He didn't say, I'm kind of like that. I am the resurrection. Look what it says here. Again, next verse here, Acts 26, 22-23. Paul goes on to say, I'm saying nothing beyond the prophets and Moses would say it happened. He goes, I'm going to tell you what you, you information you have access to you, King Agrippa, and that's the prophets and Moses that the Messiah would suffer and, and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to His own people and to the Gentiles. The resurrection, guys, is a hinge pin. I've got a, I, I, don't, I think we've got this on the from the message, Pat, if we could. Let's look at the next passage. Do you have it? Yeah, look at this. Paul makes this the Apostle Paul is making this case. He believes the resurrection is vital. Guys, you take, listen, you take away the resurrection of Christianity and we are in sad shape. And look how he says it in the message. I love the way he says it in the message. If there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors. And everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. Not only that, we would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All these affidavits we passed on to you verifying that God raised up Christ are sheer fabrications if there's no resurrection. If corpses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't raised because He was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering about in the dark. What is He saying there? You're still in darkness. You're still in the kingdom of darkness. As lost as ever. It's even worse resurrection because they're already in their graves. If all listen to this, if all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for sorry lot. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up. The first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave 
the cemeteries. I've said this before. I've said this on how many times. Here we are at the final resting place of so-and-so and I've done a funeral. You ever heard a preacher say that? Here, we even pray. Here we leave as a final resting place. Uh, this isn't their final place. Yeah, it took six or eight guys to bring him here. But all by myself, I'm bringing him out. This is not the final resting place. Now for the Christian, you and I are promised a bodily resurrection. But Tim, a lot of world religions talk about, about uh, resurrection. And you're right. A lot of them do. You have you have the you have the Greek gods who do this. You have you have uh, his his name is Dionysus. I'll mispronounce he's the Egyptian god of Osiris. Not to be confused with Siri. Don't get him confused. The Hindu god uh, uh, Ganesha and Isamani, the Japanese god. These are just a few of others I can mispronounce of world religions. When you study them, you find out. They're totally different than Jesus Christ and His resurrection. How is that, Tim? Well, first of all, they didn't know they were going to die. All of them didn't know it was going to happen to them. Some are murdered, some are poisoned, some are in a fight and they get killed. And they thought they were going to win. They had no idea they were going to die. Jesus knew He was going to die. The other is, they didn't want to die. All these gods, these world religions, they're fighting to stay alive. What's Jesus do? He lays down His life. 